Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Yeah. I let Coach Sumlin, yeah. I let the stoop. The entire first half, we got hit in the mouth and acted like somebody took our lunch money, and all we wanted to do was have pouty expressions on our face. Hello and welcome to the Around the Twelve podcast. My name is Tanner Price, and I'm here with my co-host Greg Hocker. How you doing tonight, Greg? I am doing good, Tanner. It's uh, it's been a good week. It's been a jam-packed week. Yeah, for um, sure. Feels like the Big Twelve Championship happened weeks ago. I know with with everything that's gone on this well, basically since Monday. It's uh, it's it's been it's been jam-packed. But um, yes, yeah, I guess we're gonna go ahead and. Start with the the Big Twelve Championship, Greg. What did you think? How'd you feel? My prediction was your, right. Your prediction was right. That that was that was right. But I think both of us were right in the sense that we said it was going to be a, a coin flip. Like it yeah. really was. Yeah, I think. Yeah, like the spread on the game was what was it two and a half in favor of TCU. I don't remember where it landed at, but it was around that range, and essentially. I mean, Vegas agreed with what we said is it was going to be a coin flip game, otherwise known as it was going to come down to more than likely a field goal, a final drive, something along those lines. And man, it came down to a couple final drives, honestly. Yeah, it it really did. Greg and I, it was great. Greg and I were watching the game together. Um, we were at Greg's apartment, just having a having a grand old time. Um, <laughs> we were getting... We were getting kind of riled up. We were we were very into the game. Um, it, it brought back a little bit of PTSD from <laughs> last year. Tanner and I were both at the Big Twelve Championship game last year when Baylor uh, beat Oklahoma State in somewhat of a similar fashion. Um, and we'll probably touch on that when we get <clears throat> to the recap of the game. But uh, brought a little brought a little PTSD back from last <laughs> year as as OSU fans. So TCU, we, we feel your pain. Um, although. Uh, unlike Oklahoma State, TCU fared, grabbed their playoff spot. Fared pretty well. Kind so, of, kind of, kind of. Also, what we predicted. What we predicted, and also just what we hoped. Yes, I think. Yes. I, like my my wish came true. Not only did well, I didn't necessarily wish for Kansas State to win the Big Twelve Championship. That was more of a prediction. Um, but last week, I said hypothetically, if TCU were to lose this game, based on their body of work, I think that they more than deserve to be in. Um, and not only did they get in, but because of USC losing, yeah. they kept their number three spot, which Georgia is by far and away, I think, the best team in college football this year. So avoiding playing them in the first round is huge. I, I totally agree. I think USC losing, I think obviously I I think that TCU would have made it even if even if USC had won. Right. But I think playing Michigan versus Georgia is a a big deal. It's a big difference there. Um, but, but yeah, so we're going to kind of go through and since we only have one game this week, we thought it might be a decent idea to, to do a little bit of, of recapping of the game. Yeah. Just really dive into, to this one kind of quarter by quarter and go through it because there was a lot, um, honestly, because I mean, that's what happens. A lot of these games, they come down to the wire, um, and it ended, it ends up being decided by a field goal or by, one play, like the TCU, um, a couple of goal line calls there that they had at the end. But really, there's then plays in the first second quarter that if you're like, man, well, if that had gone another way, or if, if Duggan didn't make this throw, or 
it, it would have gone TCU's way. So, or even in maybe in the case of Kansas State, you don't muff a punt. Right. Then you don't right. even have to go into overtime. Like there's yeah, there's certain things throughout the game where it's like okay, you don't think about it at the well, you don't really know the ramifications of what what you're doing at the time, like what impact it will have further along in the game. But so let's yeah, let's go ahead and start it off. Um K-State actually gets the ball first. They they punt, but TCU has a great 13 play, 92 yard drive. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's kind of what you hope from a from a Big 12 champion from someone in the Big 12 championship game is that they're able to put together a nice long drive to start off a game. Yeah, and a 92-yard drive, that's something that's really hard to do. Um, go from your own 8-yard line and put 7 points on the board. And I thought, watching the game live, and I'm I'm a bit of a... I can fully fall into just the momentum of the game, especially when you're watching at the beginning. You see a couple of drives, you're like, oh man, I should have picked TCU. I'm pretty <laughs> sure I told Tanner that. Yes, he did. He um, did. But a, a 13 play 92 yard drive is, is something that is very rare in college football. And it shows a mature offense, a disciplined offense. And a lot of that falls on ultimately the quarterback. Right. Um, and so to start off the game with a 92 yard touchdown drive, I, I, I kind of thought that TCU was going to take control of the game. Well, and I, I really thought the same thing, especially after they force another punt by K State. Then they have an okay drive. Um, they get to about what? That would be the, f- the 40, 40 yard line. They attempt a 50 y- 55 yard field goal and miss. But that's kind of something Greg and I were talking, up, talking about beforehand is that you make that field goal, you go, you go up 10 nothing right, right in the first quarter. I mean, that's, that's a big momentum swing that you kind of miss out on there. But what are, you, what are your thoughts on that, Greg? Yeah, I mean, a 55-yard field goal for a college kicker is very difficult. I mean, you're probably talking less than 50%. And most coaches, I think, would elect to go for it in that situation or punt. Um, but given – given and I and I forget his name. I'm not good with kickers' names. But TCU has a very good kicker, um, and, and he does not miss very often. And I, and I think he's capable of hitting from that range. But unfortunately, just wasn't able to knock that one through. And yeah, putting TCU up 10-0 to there in the first quarter. Again, not to say that Kansas State couldn't have come back from that. I think that they would have made it a good game. But you're talking about you're talking about a momentum in a game that is, it's a rematch, right? So you're, you're, you've already seen this team. You know what they're about. You know what they're going to do. It's just like who can make that one play and who can grab momentum and that that would have grabbed a lot of momentum to go up two scores in the first quarter. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> and then K State at right immediately after after that missed field goal, the next drive, K State goes down and scores a touchdown, ties it up seven to seven. Um, and we'll we'll get to it, but Malik Knowles played a big part in this game. He he didn't finish the game; he got hurt about halfway through the game, but. Basically, K State has two two t- scoring drives that are due to a forty yard pass, and then we'll get to it pretty soon. But actually, the next excuse me, the next uh, the next drive, the next scoring drive, 
uh, is K-State. They go down and drive, have a 40-yard run from Malik Knowles, so that puts them up 14-7. to But, yeah, Malik Knowles, basically the star of the first half. Yeah, the stars of both teams really played well in this game. And, again, I think that's just kind of what you – if you're Kansas State and NTC, that's what you needed to have is, is Malik Knowles, until he got hurt, was having a great, great game. Deuce Vaughn, and we'll get to him. He had a great game. Will Howard played very well. Max Duggan, I mean, we'll get to him. He put the team on his back to even get the game to overtime. Quentin Johnson, minus the crucial fumble, which we'll get to here in a second, uh, played a great game, had almost 150 receiving yards. So it's like you want and need your star players to step up in these championship games, especially the ones that are rematches, because... It's not common in football to get a rematch. Right. And both teams had their stars step up. Yeah, for sure. So after K-State goes down and scores and takes the lead, makes that 14-7, to um, TCU punts. K-State then gets the ball back and goes for it on fourth down. Um, they don't get it. TCU, TCU gets the ball back. First play of that drive. Great, great pass from Max Duggan. Well, Maybe not a great pass. Um, he underthrew the receiver, um, but I mean, K State didn't have a safety in, in in the right spot, so ultimately it worked out. But if you're going to underthrow a receiver, you want to underthrow him typically to his outside shoulder. That way, he has a chance to come back and catch it. Um, underthrowing him to the middle of the field is a recipe for disaster more than more than uh, more than likely. But uh, I mean, he, he, he lucked out with that one, and Quentin Johnson catches it. And then fumbles it. Yeah. Just, uh, great, great play, great catch. He's he's trying to make a play and just gets knocked out. It's tough to see, but it, it happens. And then uh, basically there's nothing that goes on the rest, of the, the rest of the second quarter other than TCU bringing it a little closer. They kick a field goal. It's now 14-10 going into half. Um, K-State is probably feeling very, very good at this point. TCU is like, eh, we've done this all year. We can yeah. we can come back. We're yeah. a second-half team. So both sides are feeling feeling decent. It's 14-10, kind of a low-scoring game. But um, – and honestly, it stays that way throughout the, throughout the game. But um, third quarter starts. K-State actually put together a nice drive here at the beginning of the third quarter, even despite uh, – Malik Knowles being hurt, um, they score a touchdown. goes goes Pro- up now twenty one to probably 10. W- one of Will Howard's best throws of the day in the end zone. I yep. believe. Oh, what was his name? R. J. Garcia, I believe. Yes, with the touchdown catch. Um, that, I think that was his first first catch or first touch, first touchdown of the year. One of the first, two. First catch and touchdown of the year. I mean, what a <laughs> what a time to have your first catch of the year. That yeah, that's that's amazing. Um. So, next drive, TCU obviously is driving. Uh, K-State stops them. But when TCU punts to K-State, K-State muffs it. Um, eventually, TCU puts it in. It's now 21-17. That was a, that was, it was a huge break for TCU. Oh, my I goodness. Mean, you, Kansas State had all the momentum. You could feel – I'm not – I'm not sure. Like, if, if these two teams played 10 times, I'm thoroughly convinced it would probably be 5-5. Five to five. Yeah. Like, and so you, again, you need, you need these, you need these freak 
plays to go in your favor, and TCU got one here. Um, I probably, like Tanner has been saying this whole year, and obviously we have not been doing the podcast for the whole year, but as him and I have been talking, he just keeps saying, Kansas State, the most disciplined team in the Big 12, one of the most disciplined teams in the country. You won't find a team that makes as few of mistakes as they do anywhere else. And I think both uh, both commentators on the broadcast were reiterating the same thing, and uh, they picked a terrible time <laughs> to to make uh, just honestly a point blank mistake. If you are not confident you're going to be able to get under a punt, because you kind of had to run towards that left side of the sideline to even be able to get under it, uh, you should get out of the way. And and more times than not, um, that's what most punt returners do. However, K State's punt returner here tries to field the ball, muffs it. Um, and TCU immediately falls on it, and they were able to capitalize um, with with uh, with the touchdown. Yep. So that kind of that ends the the scoring in the third quarter. It's now twenty one seventeen Kansas State heading into the fourth quarter. So TCU at the at the end of the third quarter, going into the fourth quarter, has a great drive. They are inside the red zone. They're actually inside the ten, um, threatening to take the lead. Yep, threatening to take the lead, trying to make it twenty four twenty one. Max Duggan receives the snap, steps back, he's on his back foot, and throws just kind of a half-hearted pass into the back of the end zone. It's picked off by K-State, and I mean, a lot of TCU fans at that point are like, it's probably over. I mean, there's a whole quarter left, Yeah, but K-State just picked it off. Max Duggan just kind of made a bad decision. I think he's going for Quentin Johnson in the back left side of the end zone. You either... Put it where only Quentin Johnson can get it, your guy, or you throw it into the 15th row of the stands. I mean. Right. I think he, like you said, he threw it off his back foot. That's, it's a short throw in terms of yardage, but it's a difficult throw because you're you're putting it to a specific spot. Uh, whether your receiver is going to be there or not, you're really putting it to a spot because you're not like, you're not necessarily throwing it to the receiver you're throwing it to essentially the pylon. Right. And the defensive back did a really good job. And, I mean, keep in mind, Quentin Johnson's, what, 6'4", 6'5"? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's tall, he's long, um, and he's a he's the ideal receiver to, to go up and get a fade ball, um, which is what this route was. And Max Duggan throwing off his back foot just underthrows him, and that is the worst thing <laughs> that you can do on a fade ball is when, when you underthrow the receiver, the defensive back usually – is in front of the receiver. So if if anything, you want to overthrow him, throw it over his head, no big deal, next play, or worst case, you kick a field goal. Um, Max Duggan underthrows it, and it's picked off. Wasn't wasn't able to give Quentin Johnson a chance, really, to go up and fight for the ball. Right, right. So after that interception, K-State goes down, drives 80 yards, and scores a touchdown. It's 28-17 at this point. There's... They have all the momentum. They do have all the momentum, but they're still two thirds, three quarters of a of a of a quarter left. I mean, there's still a lot of time in this game for TCU to make a comeback. It's at this point you're thinking, yeah, like there's still a lot of time left, but TCU has scored 17 points in almost three and a half quarters, and one of those touchdowns they were gifted with that muff punt. So it's like. It's like 
it did not seem probable that TCU was going to make this comeback. Right. And, like, honestly, even though it didn't seem probable, the <laughs> the previous or previous three quarters don't really show evidence of TCU being able to go down and store, score. But like they have all year, they've made a comeback in the final minute or the final quarter, how whatever it is. They they make a comeback. TCU kicks a field goal, so now it's twenty eight twenty, and then TCU. Well, excuse me, Max Max Duggan has the drive of his life. Yeah, and I think first before that, you have to give credit to the TCU defense. They came up with a couple of really big stops in the fourth quarter because at this point, Kansas State they're often. I mean, they were cooking. Deuce Vaughn had I think every single defensive back. Absolutely terrified. Oh my goodness. Uh, I mean, he broke the one safety's ankles, and I feel bad for him. You, as a safety, you never want to end up one on one with a running back like that. Um, but at the end of the day, that's what's going to make the highlight reel. Um, but TCU's defense was able to step up and get uh, a couple of huge stops. And like you said, they just gave the ball back to Max Duggan, who put the team on his back or on his legs because his legs carried TCU down the field. I mean, he was, he was gassed. He was gassed at the end of that drive. I don't, he looked like he needed some, I, I'm not sure he probably had, I I know he had over a hundred rushing yards for the game, but he, on that drive alone, I think he had probably, what was it? Maybe 50, 50, 50 rushing yards, 55. Yep. Somewhere along those lines. But that's not really counting the amount of times he ran all across the field that didn't count as yardage. Um, he, like Tanner said, I mean, he put the team on his back. He 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 made a couple of really nice throws. Um, they had one. Um, oh, it was a go route down the sideline. The receiver pushed off. He caught it. Ended up being a touchdown, but they called it back due to offensive mm. pass interference. So what would have made it a you know uh 28 26 game uh ended up being um first or second and 20 from i think it was like midfield at that point and he ran for about 40 yards and then he ran for 40 yards and so it's like i mean the guy it's hard not to root for him yeah it's really really hard i i felt my i mean i was i was pulling for him i yep i was too i mean i had the pick I didn't even. Greg was Greg was pulling for him, and he's just he's just a fan of football. You know, he's a fan of good football. I look, (laughs) it's it's tough not to root for a guy like Max Duggan, especially when I mean he runs that forty yard run to get them get them inside the ten, and you can tell he's gassed because he kind of steps out of bounds. It almost like a full at full stamina. In a conference championship game, Max Duggan's probably trying to get an extra three to four yards. Yeah, yeah. He's going hard. He's um, trying to get a touchdown. At man. least running over that guy because, I mean, he's running full speed and just kind of steps out of bounds to avoid the collision with the safety. Um, so, you know he's gassed. The next play they call is a QB power off tackle. He easily runs it into the end zone and just goes down on his knees. It was like, I honestly thought he might. He might yak. Just, <laughs> just, just. I, I really thought he was that's, going to. That, that's fair. That's I, fair. It, it was, it was shy because you know these guys are in good shape. It's not a question of of what kind of shape he's in. It, it's just like he, 
This is in the fourth quarter of a hard-fought ball game. He had been getting lit up all game. He had cuts and bruises and scratches. I mean, he had blood going down his left elbow Yep. Um, after that drive. And I don't know if that was from a from that drive or it could have been from a previous hit that he had taken that cut reopened. Like, who knows? But the point is, like, he put the team on his back and um, made it 28-26. And uh, they were able to score. Well, score the two-point conversion and basically put the game into overtime. Um, and this is where Greg and I started started having some flashbacks. Um, TCU has two tries from the one-yard line. I mean, they go from the 25-yard line where the overtime starts at. They get down to the one. And really, if you, if you had a bird's-eye view of how everybody was lining up, you would think, oh, it's going to be a Max Duggan quarterback sneak. Quarterback sneak. Mm-hmm. Right off of the left hip. Of the center, you think he's just going to fall to the left guard right into the end zone. Nope. Handed off to Kendra Miller. Stopped on third down. All right. Fourth and fourth and goal. What are, what are we going to do? Okay. Honestly, K-State, their D-line lines up the same way. And this time you're thinking, okay, this, this has to be it. They're going to put it in with Max Duggan. They're going to use him as a, another quarterback sneak. It's going to happen this time. Nope. Same, Almost the same exact play. Kendra Miller gets stopped. Turnover on downs. K-State can... They could have kicked the ball on first and 10. Yeah. I think... Yeah, this is when you talk about... I don't I don't know... I don't know what the deal is in the Big 12 championship game. But you don't want to be on the one-yard line. Because <laughs> if you're on the one-yard line, I hate to break it to you, but you're not going to get any points. Nope. Um, you can ask OSU. You can ask TCU. It uh, doesn't matter. You're not going to get any points. Um... It was a tough break. You can make an argument for sure that Keandre Miller was in on that third and goal run. Arguments at this point don't really make a difference. He wasn't called in. TC wasn't able to score. It's a tough break for sure. Um, But yeah, it kind of shocks me. I mean, you're almost, unless you have, unless the opposing defense has a nose tackle that is NFL level, 300 pounds. Vince Wolfork kind of guy. You're almost guaranteed a half yard. And that's all TCU needed. Was that like they didn't even need a full yard. They needed half a yard. Yep. Um, and so, I mean, I'm glad that they didn't line up in shotgun. <laughs> um, so they at least went under center. Um, and they at least tried to go up the middle. Uh, OSU tried to go off tackle last year. Uh, but it's just tough. I know, but I mean, Credit to the Kansas State defense. It's a huge stop um, because, again, like I said, it was half a yard. And more times than not, you're getting half a yard in yep. tries. So yep. it, was, it was a great game. And obviously, K-State pulls it out, went 31-28. Um, that was probably... As Greg and I call it, an instant classic. If you've ever if you've ever played the NCAA uh, video games, if you have a good game, it's rated an instant classic. Oh, that, that that's game rank number one. That right was there. that was. Even though for me, I picked TCU, didn't work out the way I wanted. I still had a great time watching that game as a Big Twelve fan, um, and ultimately it got even better when when we figured out that TCU made it to the playoff. That that kind of like calming me down a little bit yeah i think it made it everyone is a little bit uneasy after that because you really do wonder well the committee 
you know, TCU could be in, they should be in, but then you have Nick Saban going on ESPN that night and, and doing a PR stunt, essentially trying to, trying to talk his way into the playoff. And it's just, you just never know. Um, especially with the way it seems college football's run, which is all by essentially money. Um, but it's, it's just nice that the playoff committee got this one right. Yep. Um, yep. And I'm really looking forward to the TCU-Michigan matchup. Yeah. Yeah, me as well, Greg. Um, well, let's go ahead and take a take a slight detour here. We covered – we just gave you a good, nice, long recap of the Big 12 championship game. Um, and, Greg, we're, we're really starting to get into the, the basketball season here. We just had the – the Big Ten, Big East matchup. Big 12. Big, oh gosh, excuse me. Big 12. We're going to have to fire Big East, you. yeah, fire me. Uh, Big 12, Big East matchup between, I don't think, I don't think every school in the, in the Big 12 played, but I think. I don't even know how many teams the Big East has these days, honestly. It was, we, we counted it up right before the pod. Uh, it was four and four. So, four wins, four losses. Um. Nothing. Some pretty fun games, though. Pretty fun matchups. I would have loved to have seen this, but two months later. Yeah. Like, right around the time the Big 12 SEC matchup usually is. Just because, again, like, college basketball is great. College basketball is one of my favorite things to watch. Um, and I'll watch it in November. But I don't really get into it until around the time bowl season's wrapping up. Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like that's most people. So you, I would have liked to have seen this later in in the basketball season, but regardless, you got some really good matchups out of it. Some, uh, just some uh, really good brand names. Yeah, for, like, for like sure. Brand on brand matchups. Right. So, well, besides, well, the Baylor Marquette game. That's that's a really big brand name. Um, Marquette puts puts a good one on Baylor. Beats them by twenty six. You don't love to see that, but then we also, on the other hand, have Texas beating Creighton by five. That was a that was a t- number two Texas against the number seven Creighton. So that's a that's a very good matchup. Um, eventually, though, Baylor beats Gonzaga by one. So that's that's another ranked matchup. Um, that's good to see Baylor Baylor bounce back. Big loss, but that's a good program win beating Gonzaga. Um, and for the first time all year, we can say, or we have to say, we're not excited about this, but Texas loses to Illinois. Um, they lose by seven, but Illinois is also a ranked team. So, Yeah, and I mean, this pretty much sums up, I think, how basketball season in the Big 12 is going to go. You have two of your better teams. Uh, one comes out, plays, you know, Mar- Marquette killed Baylor. Like, you beat him by 26. And then Baylor comes out and beats Gonzaga. Um, Texas comes out and beats Creighton. And then goes out a couple days later uh, and, and loses. So it's – basketball is significantly different than football in that you have a lot more – there's a lot more parity. There's like game to game, you're going to get a lot of variation. Um, teams will lose to teams that they aren't supposed to. Um but it's fun, and, and that's why we like it, and that's why March Madness is what it is. Um, but, I mean, yeah. Like I said, I would have loved it if this would have been in, in that January time frame, um, just with some of the, the matchups that, that happened. But, 
again, we, we got some good games out of it. And I think all of these kind of out-of-conference matchups, even though they happen so early, they'll be referenced here in a couple months when uh, tournament time comes around. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, so so other than those really four notable games, just honestly two for Baylor and two for Texas. There's not not too much too much going on right now. Um, but Greg, what we're we're gonna kind of transition here. But Greg, what do you think about some of the coaching changes? Some c- coaches maybe you think should be let go. Some should be hired. There hasn't been any changes yet at some programs that maybe there should be changes what are your what are your, what are your thoughts so far yeah so shifting back to football here we're we're kind of entering the first stage of the off season so this is a lot of coaches are on the move uh the transfer portal officially opened for all eligible athletes which by eligible i mean literally any college athlete yeah with Um, eligibility left with eligibility left that opened on monday what would that have been i think it was the sixth fifth Fifth. um so you're getting to the first part of the off season here where the transfer portal uh went crazy which we'll get to and uh this is really where you see a lot of those coaching changes so i know we mentioned on the last podcast uh, probably the biggest coaching change that was going to happen was Neil Brown at West Virginia. Wrong prediction. Was probably going to be let go. That was what the the overall opinion was. Well, he's staying. Um, they the new athletic director decided to keep him around. If I had to guess, he's on a he's probably on a very pretty thin ice. Um, yeah. again, but another NCAA fourteen reference. He's probably on the hot seat. He's got that little red uh, red mark next to his name. Yeah. But, um, yep. I think especially, you know, I personally am a fan of giving these head coaches a second chance. Um, now, I'm not, if, if you're consistently losing over year after year, obviously, I think they're, they might not be the right fit, whatever it may be. Um, but Neil Brown, I mean, West Virginia fans, I don't think are pumped about him staying, but he's gotten a couple of he's gotten a couple of really good recruits these last couple of years, especially in the quarterback room. I think you want to let him see it out. Um, I I personally don't mind that he's staying. Like I don't. There's a lot of coaches available right now. There's a lot of assistants, but I've seen some hires around the country that have maybe raised raised my eyebrow. Uh, Cincinnati being one of them. I, I just I think that this was a fine move. Yep. I I don't hate it. Yep, I agree. Um. This 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 next one was kind of kind of expected, honestly. We have Tom Manning, the Iowa State offensive coordinator, being let go, and I'm gonna attempt his replacement replacement's name, Nate Shieldhass. That's that's my attempt at his name. Um, but Nate Shieldhass will replace him. Um, Nate was the former Iowa State wide receiver coach, um, but Tom Manning, it's it. <laughs> I, that's kind of expected. He was yeah. the coach of the worst offense in the Big Twelve. It's it's hard to keep a guy around when that's the case. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I mean, they had all. I mean, statistically, and then if you just if you just watched Iowa State this year, they they had one of the they had the worst offense in the Big Twelve. We can call it what it is, but I think 
they had a lot of NFL talent I was gonna these say. last couple of years to mask potentially other issues. And then when you get when you have your quarterback in Brock Purdy, your star running back in Brees Hall, and then you know your receiver, your, your tight end, your tight end Charlie Kolar. Yeah, it, it go to the NFL. Obviously, when you it it you can't replace production like that. It it doesn't really work like that in college. If, if you send four, if you, if you send four of your starters like that uh, at skill positions to the NFL, you're not immediately going to get that same production back. Right. Um. But Iowa State, like we said last week, had the best defense in the Big Twelve this year and went four and eight. Right. So it's it's tough. Um. But it makes sense. Um. And just just one other. Uh, coaching change we wanted to mention was was Ron Roberts, who's the who was the Baylor defensive coordinator, which kind of maybe an interesting job because Dave Aranda really runs their defense. So, not entirely sure what a what a defensive coordinator does if your if your head coach is a defensive minded coach. Recruiting would be my guess. Yeah, probably. Um, so I'm 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 not sure what went on there. Um. So that was that's maybe more so the negative side of the off season. But we do have some two really big positives. Um, we have we have some award nomination. Well, not nominations. Well, one's a nomination. One's a winner. Just I think it was was it announced tonight? I think it was announced yeah. tonight. Yeah, announced tonight. Uh, the Doak Walker Trophy or a winner award, award whatever winner, whatever you want to call it. Award winner goes to Bijan Robinson, the running back at Texas. Well deserved. What very well deserved. Honestly, some people could you. This is speculation. That's a no go on this pod. But <laughs> yeah, we're very we're very anti speculation. <laughs> However, we do do some of that anyway. Uh, potentially could have been a finalist to, to go to New York, sit in the Heisman, um, sit with with the other finalists at the at the Heisman ceremony. But I don't know. I think that that was. Well deserved. He has been a great running back at Texas, and I I'm very excited to see what he does. Probably at the next level, like we. See. I hope I get him on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, I know he he's gonna be great. Um, and the other one, the need to mention one, Max Duggan is a Heisman finalist. Again, well deserved, and you. I don't know if if you were able to watch the USC Utah game, seeing Caleb Williams play. I mean, like. I, he balled out. He played his heart out, but there's something about Max Duggan that makes him a likable player. Um, and I'm not going to get into the, in, into the why of that. Um, but then there's that same thing makes Caleb Williams unlikable. And so the Heisman is not necessarily a popularity contest, although it does seem to be a quarterback award. Um, Caleb Williams is going to win. He's the overwhelming favorite, but I, I would, I would love to see Max Duggan win. Yeah, um, I would too. It it won't happen. Um, now, if, if if it does happen and we get on the pod next week and and it does, I'll be I'll be the happiest guy. I I don't think it's going to happen though. So. Yeah, yeah. However, I do have to mention as of tonight as well, he was announced as the Davey O'Brien Award winner, which is the award that goes to the best quarterback in college football. So I don't know if that's a Potential sign that says, hey, maybe Caleb Williams isn't the runaway favorite. And he won the John Unitas Golden Arm Award. So, 
He's he he is racking up the awards even if he doesn't get really the, all the TCU uh, guys are racking up the awards. Sonny Dykes won Coach of the Year, uh, which is being well deserved. First year coach, twelve and twelve and zero in the regular season. Um, only lost being in the conference championship. Yep, yep. All right, so Greg, we got some news. Uh, the transfer portal has opened on Monday. It has so just just a quick fact. So. FBS has twelve or thir- excuse me, thirteen thousand players in it between all one hundred and hundred thirty four, thirty five schools. Um, on Monday, we had one thousand players in the transfer portal. That is a large number, a large percentage of honestly college football in general. So, what are what are some of the biggest names that you're seeing enter the transfer portal from the Big Twelve specifically? Yeah, it's been something that we've never seen before. Uh, like you said, a thousand players enter in one week, less than a week. Uh, we do want to cover some of the biggest names in the big 12. And as the off season goes on right now, we're seeing all the departures. So most schools kind of freaking out. You have these players, whether they be backups, starters, a combination of both. You have them entering the transfer portal. Look, most of these schools you're going to replace production with production. So you're going to lose guys in the next couple of weeks. You're going to get, you're going to get commits. And so we'll go over both of those. However, right now, this is the time where players put their names in and then they field offers, scholarship, whatever NIL deals, whatever it may be. Um, So some of the biggest names uh, from, from the big 12. And I think we want to touch on all the quarterbacks that have entered um, and then just some of the top um, top players that aren't quarterbacks. So the uh, quarterbacks that have entered, so we have Hudson Card from Texas, which is expected with him being the backup to Quinn Ewers, uh, Arch Manning coming in yeah, this year. I, I, I honestly am not surprised by that at all. It's kind of expected. I, I said something about it back in October that he would probably be a top transfer portal target for yep. – Schools needing a quarterback uh, coming in uh, 2023. Then you have, I think, one of the biggest names from the Big 12, uh, Spencer Sanders, quarterback from Oklahoma State. Uh, Graduate transfer, one year of eligibility left, is going to spend it at another school. Um, Of course, there are plenty of rumors as to why. We won't really get into those, but... Uh, the fact is, is he will not be back at Oklahoma State next year. More than likely, will not be back in the Big 12 at all. Um, might try his luck in the SEC. We'll I think yeah, Tennessee we'll has been a, a a school that has been thrown out there as a potential destination. And, and we'll probably, when these guys start to commit, you know, some of these bigger name guys, we'll, we'll at least mention the schools that they're going to. Um, but Spencer Sanders, uh, OSU's second winning as quarterback, enters the portal. Then you have Nick Evers, the uh, true freshman, highly rated four-star from OU. Uh, he enters the portal uh, after being buried on the depth chart this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, Donovan Smith from Texas Tech, also buried on the depth chart. He started a couple of games this year. Uh, Tyler Shook was the starter, as we mentioned on the last couple of podcasts. Texas Tech has kind of played the quarterback musical chairs due to the amount of injuries they've had. But Tyler Shook, he... Balled out this year when he was able to return from injury. Uh, and then their true freshman, Baron Morton, uh, also played really well yep. when he uh, when he was called up. So 
Uh, Donovan Smith enters the portal. And then the last quarterback would be JT Daniels <laughs> from West Virginia entering the portal for the third time Port- looking looking for his fourth school. Yes, yes, that's correct. In yes. the portal for the third time looking for his fourth school. Yes. Uh, so JT Daniels played at West Virginia this year, had a bit of an underwhelming year compared to expectations, and then got replaced in the OU game um, by... I forget their Garrett Green. Garrett Green, thank you. Thank the, you. Who the ended running up, quarterback. Who ended up leading West Virginia to that win. So those are your quarterbacks. Um and then Tanner, do you want to go ahead and walk us through the other just a couple of other big names? And uh we have I'll preface with most teams have about, I would say, an average of seven to ten guys in the portal already. Most of these are backups, but Tanner, there, there, there's a few. What are some starters, though, from these Big 12 schools that have entered the portal? So, the star- starters-wise, I think um, – I don't want this to sound biased, but I think from a starter's perspective, Oklahoma State probably has gotten hit the hardest. Like you mentioned, Spencer Sanders. We have Mason Cobb, who was Oklahoma State's leading tackler, starting middle linebacker. Um don't really know. He hasn't committed anywhere. He's going on an official visit to Texas A&M this weekend. So if I had to guess, he's probably going to go there. Dominic Richardson. Um, this one was kind of interesting. He was the starting running back for Oklahoma State. He, it's it's probably if I had to guess, it's most likely due to the fact that he's getting replaced uh, by true freshman Ollie Gordon, um, and maybe maybe trying to find a scheme that fits him better. Yeah. We also we also have uh, Theo Weiss starting uh, wide receiver from OU. That's that's a big one, kind of a, kind that's of a, a surprising that's a big one. name. That's a big name in the portal there, and a, and a big loss for OU too. I mean, uh, Marvin Mims is undecided still as to what he'll do next year, and then their second receiver uh, Theo Weiss in the portal. Yeah, so so that's a big one. Um, Baylor also has Baylor has two. Two kind of big names. So Devin Neal is a, he was a starter this year. Um, he's a safety, and then we also have Kyron Drones. He we didn't we didn't mention him. I when forgot we were going him as a quarterback. Yeah. But so he's he was a backup quarterback, um, backup to Blake Shapin. So he's also tr- entering the transfer portal. But I those believe are, he was a true freshman. Yeah. So those are those are some of let's yeah. No, he's a he was a sophomore, but so he's got he's got a few years of eligibility left. But just to give a a very very brief rundown, so this is as of uh, Thursday, December eighth. Just this is changing every single day. Um, just to preface, uh, more players are entering. Players will be committing. There have been a, a a few players that have already committed to Big Twelve schools that we can dive into later. But Tanner, do you want to give a, a a team count as to how many players have entered the portal from each school? Yeah. So as again, like Rick said, this is as of today. So Oklahoma has eighteen players. Oklahoma State has twelve. West Virginia has ten. Texas has nine. Iowa State has eight. Kansas has seven. Kansas State has five. Texas Tech has five. Baylor has four. And TCU has one player entering the transfer portal right now. So it's a lot of players, but also let's everyone just keep in mind if calm, you feel calm down. If you feel like you're, down. your your team is falling apart, just remember there are plenty of players in the portal. Um there's a lot going on, but there's a there's tons of talent in the portal that your team can can go and get. 
from the portal. And will. Yes. And, and, and yes. we'll see that soon. I think, again, it's kind of major freakout mode right now from a few fan bases, specifically, like you mentioned, the Oklahoma schools leading the pack there with OU 18 guys entering the portal. I mean, that's like almost a quarter of their roster. Um, a lot of those guys weren't necessarily starters, though. That is true. I mean, but you still lose depth pieces there. Uh, and with OU, I mean, you're losing four four star, almost five star talent. So uh, yeah, still yeah. a couple of, a couple of bigger losses there. And then OSU, like you mentioned, losing a lot of starters um, with also some uh, some reserves. So regardless, I think you're you, these guys. Not that not that each starter can necessarily be replaced with it with with an equal, but Guys are going to shift. They're going to be around for whatever reason. Um, and I would just say, don't panic. Yeah, uh, that w- that would be my advice. Just don't don't panic. the The sky is not falling. Um, this is just the day and age we live in now. And each team is going to lose players each year. Yep, I agree. But here in the next couple of months, they're also going to get a lot of commits. So yeah, yeah. So that's going to round out our our actual podcast. Um, but we do want to mention, so Greg and I have been discussing, we thought the around the XII or around the 12 was going to be a great idea. We're, t- we're figuring out quickly that it's it might not be the best idea from a marketing perspective. So Yeah, my wife's a marketing major and she <laughs> told me that that was, that, that was a no-go. So. so, first of all, if you're a listener, tell your friends about it. Tell any, any other Big 12 fan that you know, tell them about this podcast. Um... And we are officially na- changing our name from around the XII to around the 12. So that it's easier for people to find and you don't have to go digging or type in any Roman numerals anywhere. So just something that we thought everybody should know. Um, we, w- we would love to get this to a point where, one, Tanner and I, will we will get better. Um, this is something that we started, like we mentioned before, just, just for fun, but also like we are serious about this. We're going to continue to do it, um, but we would love to get this to where this can be an actual platform for Big Twelve fans. Yes, um, where we have fans from every school tuned in, not just like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Like that's obviously like we we do live in Oklahoma, so we are going to we have listeners from Oklahoma. But we would love Kansas fans, Kansas State fans, like fans down in Texas the new schools that are coming in. Like we, we would love to get this to a point where it can be interactive. Um, we can interact with, with you guys from across the country um, that are also big 12 fans uh, like we are. So hopefully by changing the name again, it's not necessarily a big change. It sounds the exact same when you say it um, out loud, but yep. uh, hopefully we can um, be picked up in a few more search results and right. connect with you guys easier. Right. And so, yeah, like we mentioned um, on the last episode, we have Twitter and Instagram accounts. So if you have any questions or anything that you want us to talk about on the next podcast, because we're kind of in the low season, even though basketball is starting to pick up. But if you have any questions, don't be afraid to tweet at us, uh, DM us on Instagram or Twitter. Um, And that a rat that whoa, that at is going to be around the 12th. So just for everybody's information. Around the 12, we are here, and we love you guys. We thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.